I feel this is my lucky day, March 23rd. Oh, no, your lucky day is the 24th. What do you mean the 24th? It's 1.30 already. It's morning. Yes, and what a lovely morning. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning. This is the boot. It's the boot. We're recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. You're welcome, Hollywood. You're very welcome. And you're welcome, America. I'm Brian Flynn. With me, as always, so far, is Kenna Trent. Are you afraid I'm going to quit? <laughs> <laughs> um, and this week on the boot, we are talking about the most beloved musical classic, Singing in the Rain, from 1952, starring... Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, Debbie Reynolds, Gene Hagen, and Millard Mitchell. Ugh, one of my favorite actors. He's Millard great. Mitchell. I know. What a name. What a classic Hollywood name. <laughs> I think I'm a little nervous right now because I'm not a musical guy. You know, and I, mm. this is the first time I'm seeing this movie, so I, I feel... Wait, are you being 100% yeah, serious? You I had never, never seen, seen this seen... movie. <gasps> and it was a joy to watch, but we'll get into that later. We first have to cover some reboot news. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, so first, we wanted to talk about, and I think when this comes out, this movie will be coming out this weekend. So for us, it's in the future. For you, it's like right now. We want to chat about the Death Wish remake. From Collider, MGM has released a new Death Wish trailer based off the 1974 Charles Bronson film of the same name. The movie stars Bruce Willis as Dr. Paul Kersey, who decides to become a violent vigilante after his wife and daughter are victims of a home invasion. His mission then expands as he meets more victims of violent crimes and takes matters into his own hands. Do we really need this movie? What a great question. No. No, we the really answer don't. is no. And I feel I feel kind of bad because they've been doing a lot of cool marketing for this. They've got like this fun like grindhouse trailer and all these like old looking mm -hmm. posters, which is super cool. But 2018 does not need Death Wish. Um, and this Collider article, it, its focus is mainly on the fact that Bruce Willis, who happens to be an older white male, is running around in a hoodie, shooting people vigilante style, and it just sort of talks about the tone deafness of it. You know, I haven't seen the original Death Wish, and I feel like this podcast is steadily becoming a podcast of things I have not seen. <laughs> Let's just trying to talk about things we really don't <laughs> yeah, know no about. Point of reference. Yeah, absolutely. I went back and I watched the trailer for the original one, mm -hmm. and it's very much a grindhouse movie. This is Paul Kersey. This is the story of a man who decided to clean up the most violent town in the world. He begins where all the super cops leave off. It doesn't seem like it's as much of a rampage as possible. It seems like it's more of a taxi driver kind of paced movie where it's sort of a man who who turns later in the movie and then does these acts sort of in that final third portion of it, whereas this movie seems more like Taken. But even Taken, I feel, mm. is was handled much better. Like There's just something, like I would get it if it was like, he's, a, he's supposed to be a doctor, he's like a principled man, and he really just wants to get back at the people who hurt his family. Mm -hmm. But it sort of seems like he is just killing people along the way. It really does. To get to the actual perpetrators, and that's so excessive. And so much for that oath, you know what I mean? Do uh, no harm. 
that's another thing. How much do we believe Bruce Willis as a doctor? Uh, hmm. We don't. I don't. I take that back. I totally believed him as a doctor in The Sixth Sense. He was a psychologist, though. He wasn't like, a, this looks like he's like a surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. But like, how, how would you feel if you were, if your doctor came in, you were about to have like your appendix removed or something, and Bruce it Willis. was Bruce Willis? <laughs> I'd be like, nope. I no, no, no. I'd just rather keep this inside me. Of all the action stars that could come in to do internal surgery on me. Bruce yeah. Willis would be at the, one of the one of them at the, I would say Jason Statham would be <gasps> like, please no. Uh, I would let Jason Statham do really? surgery on me. All he'd do is shock you, like in Crank. <laughs> he would just put those paddles on you. And... Uh, who's at the top? What action star would you let do surgery? Well, George Clooney, I don't know if George Clooney's an action star. No, but, he's not. Um, so I was trying to pull from the, uh, the ER cast. Let's just go through like the cast of the Expendables. Dolph Lundgren, he's, surgeon. He's like a member of Mensa. Are you serious? I be- yeah, I believe he's like I'm gonna highly need... intelligent, so he would definitely be up there. I'm gonna need to see this to believe it. So the second search in Google is Dolph Lundgren IQ. <laughs> Everybody wants to know. Lundgren received a degree in chemical engineering from the Royal Institute of Technology in the early Wikipedia, early eighties. Huh. And a master's degree in chemical engineering from the University of Sydney in 1982. Right. That's yeah. wild. He, I would absolutely let him okay, do Okay, Dolph. Look at you. You win. <laughs> Look at you. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just, just your prejudice for I just, old Dolph. Yeah, yeah, I just saw him as all muscle. Anything else on Death Wish? I just sort of feel like I, I don't. I think I Liam mean, Neeson has kind of drained me of any need to see someone going after Revenge for the Family. Although, yeah. I after I watched these two trailers for Death Wish, the original and this remake, I brought up the trailer for The Equalizer. Have you seen that? The Equalizer, the original Equalizer, or the one that... So you got me there. No, the remake okay. <laughs> with Denzel okay. Washington. And I, I was trying to think of, like, what, why does Equalizer not sort of offend me, but... This Death Wish remake does, and I think the difference might just be, um, you know, I really, I, I don't know. I just think I'll say this about like revenge, revenge for injustices done to your family. Movies mm-hmm. like there was that one that Jodie Foster did that has, I think, more of a significant social impact because it's a woman taking revenge. Yeah. Then you have like Taken where his daughter isn't just like kidnapped. His daughter's like kidnapped and sold as a sex slave. Yeah. And that again has a different sort of social construct to it because like I'm more in favor of him like going after this ring of like uh, sex uh, traffickers. Yeah. Slavers. So when it's just, I hate being like when it's just your family gets murdered and there is just this massive rampage happening. I'm like, well, He's sort of like that John Wick who's like, I had this life, I did all these horrible things, I'm now just trying to put that all at peace and Mm -hmm. move on, but something keeps pulling me back. I think something like that mechanism works a lot better than a man just sort of snaps and goes off killing a lot of people because that That could happen in this sort of climate that's going on now. Like, I don't think audiences really want to, like, Mm -mm. that's not an escapism for at least for me, and I don't know what who it would be an escapism for, and I and I don't really want to go down that road. That is to say, I don't want to deny people the right. ability to make whatever art they want. I just like the palette's not there for me. Yeah, 
no. The the John Wick of it all being, we want to see this like Keanu Reeves assassin, you know, like that's his chosen job. And so we're like, that's what he does. Yeah. We don't want to see a doctor freak out and start murdering people because like the chances of that happening tomorrow, very likely. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad we well, I'm amped glad you we... all up. Not you, Kenna, but maybe the audience who's listening is now <laughs> supremely terrified. <laughs> So maybe let's be okay. yeah maybe let's take it back to a simpler time, a stranger time for sure. Nineteen fifty two for sure. Is that the year? Nineteen fifty two is when the movie was made. It takes place in twenty seven. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot it because sound is being invented mm-hmm. in cinema. Before we start anything though, if you're new to this podcast, we should explain a few things. Okay. Explain some rules, Kenna. Good idea. Hit these people with some knowledge about what's going to happen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to recast five of the big characters in Singing in the Rain. But because we we love structure in our lives, I say we. You? Do, <laughs> do, do you, Brian? Yeah. Um, we have some rules. We have three big rules. Our first rule is the movies we pick, we're not going to pick any remakes, reboots, or long-lost sequels. So we won't do, we'll try not to do a movie that's already been remade maybe in the last 20-ish years. Um, And this includes franchises like Star Wars or even like Jurassic Park now, where movies just sort of pop up every once in a while. Fast and the Furious, Alien. We're not, yeah, we're not going to touch stuff like that. I say very strictly now as if we're never going to break that. Um, Number two is no imaginary casting. So our dream casts must be made up of actors that are one, alive, and two, working right now so we couldn't recast a musical and be like i want gene kelly to be in it because he's gone um i'm so sorry to bring us down also we're not going to do any tinder casting so we can't just cast someone based on how they look we're not swiping left and right on people we're picking people based on their talent this is super important for this one we're picking people based on what we've seen them in and how much we enjoy them Maybe we don't. I've picked people I, I don't like, but... Uh, you on this podcast has stated <laughs> 100% that you dislike someone's work. Yeah, I'll say it again. Cara Delevingne, <laughs> I don't think you're a good actress. But that's okay. So those are our rules. All right, everyone. This is Singing in the Rain. Sing- you, you said singing. singing. I'm singing in the rain. Just singing in the rain What a glorious feeling I'm happy again I'm laughing at clouds So dark up above The sun's in my heart And I'm ready for love Can I ask, first of all, because you mentioned at the top Mm -hmm. that you have not seen this movie before. An actual bona fide classic. What were your first impressions? It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. The music obviously is a little of its time, so it didn't really resonate with me. The dance numbers are extraordinary. I don't think I've seen anything like that. I enjoyed it. I I wasn't expecting the humor to still sort of work, but like a good joke is a good joke. It's so clever. Right. I was taken aback upon rewatching at how funny it was. 
And I don't think I've seen a lot of Gene Kelly's work, but the whole time I was like, this guy is a movie star. Let's just put this out here right now. There is nobody working today who is like Gene Kelly. I'm glad you said that because I have not been more shaken with who I've picked oh, this was in any so pod. Difficult. This is so difficult. Because here's the thing. They're singing in this movie. They're singing in the rain and out of the rain. <laughs> but more importantly, their dancing is so good. And there is just nobody that is working today that has that is a true triple threat right the way he is right and with his look mm-hmm. and his ability mm-hmm. uh, this this one was very very tough now i have a question about the universe of singing in the rain mm-hmm. so in the movie singing in the rain they sing a song uh-huh. called singing in the rain yes which then later is performed at the premiere yes. of the Swashbuckle musical. And Lena Lamont requests a song called Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. So, is Singing in the Rain I have an actual an actual song yeah. that I had just never heard before this movie that exists in real life? Or is it written You just got as... like conspiracy theory eyes when you switched. Okay, so... Um, to circle back to the intro, we were talking about the Rocky movies. Mm-hmm. The Rocky theme song, Yes. does that exist in the universe of Rocky? Does he hear the Rocky music? Do people know what that song is? No. So I had the same kind of question with Singing in the Rain. Here's, here's the actual answer to that. Because I, I thought about this when I was watching it, because there's a part in the opening credits where it says, it doesn't say based on the song, but it's sort of like inspired by the song, Singing in the rain. So much like much like how like White Christmas was a song that was recorded that they then created a movie um, sort of around. This was the same type of thing. So this song existed in the real world, and they decided to make a. Which is why there's so much music in this that doesn't make any kind of sense. Like even him singing "Singing in the Rain." Is just like an exp- like it's an expression of joy. It's not like uh, it's not story based. Okay, and it doesn't move anything along. So the they just built a movie around the idea of singing in the rain. Okay, yeah. So that was okay. actually like decently common. I I was writing out like quantum mechanics <laughs> equations. Just wondering, like, how does this reality function if, yeah. it, if not for the explanation that you just gave me, that mm-hmm. it is a real song that existed before this movie and during this time is somewhat popular, but the meta of it is that Gene Kelly was like, we're going to make a movie based on an old song that already exists, which is, I think, the ultimate reboot. <laughs> making making a, a movie out of a song? Making a movie out of a song that already exists that has nothing to do with what the song is it's about. Nothing to putting do. in the song in the movie and then using that song again as mm-hmm. if it were a different kind of song. I think it's is kind of like wild. how in Footloose you hear the song Footloose in the opening credits when the feet are dancing. Mm-hmm. And then you hear them listening to the song Footloose when they go to the bar. Mm-hmm on the other side of the tracks and then Footloose plays again. Like it's one of those things where it's like, it's just, is this just like a theme of the movie? No, it exists in the world. Well, that's the thing about musicals. So a lot of times like the music that the character will be singing Mm -hmm. is a reflection of their inner state. So in the, Mm -hmm. in the question of Footloose or singing in the rain, 
if they don't mention the song specifically, does it exist in that reality? So in Singing in the Rain, <laughs> Lena Lamont says, Singing in the Rain. And they're like, hit it, boys. <laughs> and oh, my God. They do it. But in Footloose, no one, and like in Rocky, no one ever says, oh, this song, I know this song. But it's that like, famous song. But they're like dancing to it. Someone made a playlist for prom featuring the song Footloose. I don't know if that's how it works in Rocky, where someone like specifically created the moment for the music. But they don't if they don't specifically address it, you could just put in any, <laughs> any other song. song with the same beat. Not if there's choreography. I, I mean maybe maybe I'm just trying to find <laughs> conspiracy where there is none. <laughs> I'm trying to find aliens where there are none. But, but that- it is weird considering that when we first hear the song, well, the second time we hear the song, because there's that like opening mm-hmm. thing, the second time we hear the song, it is an expression of Don's, like he says goodbye to Kathy and he's just like feeling good. Good night, Kathy. See you tomorrow. Good night, Don. Take care of that throat. You're a big singing star now, remember? This California dew is just a little heavier than usual tonight. Really? From where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place. So it makes sense in that way, where you're like, he is, it's just a rainy night, which they, they happen all the time in LA, rainy <laughs> nights. And he goes splashing through the puddles. So it's kind of weird that when they bring it up again, it's like, oh, he didn't just like uh, break into song about how like happy he is to be in love. He just thought, oh, this song that I know, because I'm a performer. Right. I'm going to sing this out loud in the street. That makes sense to me. I'm glad you said that because that was the one question I really had. Um, We should get into it. I feel like we really solved some problems just now. For me, at least. (laughs) We should get into it. Yes, please. Um, I'm going to go first because I have never been more unsure of my picks. Can we go through the list, first of all, of who we're doing? Oh, yes. We're going to recast Don Lockwood, Cosmo Brown, his Mm -hmm. friend, Kathy Selden, um, Debbie Reynolds' character, Lena Lamont, the high-pitched voice, and R.F. Simpson, the studio head. Right. For my Don Lockwood, I, like you said, I tried to find someone who could be this triple threat. Yeah. I think I found someone who's more of a two-and-a-half threat, okay. and we can discuss sure. his credentials uh, when I say his name. Okay. Again, I'm very timid about who you I have here. You- you seem sad. <laughs> I'm not sad. I'm just, I'm out of my element a little bit. It's it's odd. Like, it was difficult to look at, to, because there was a point when I legitimately Googled, like, triple threats in Hollywood. Me too. And the list is upsetting. Because some of the people they list, like, like <laughs> Diddy was on a list. Yeah. And I was like, what? There are no, there are no performers like Gene Kelly no. in Hollywood. So remaking this movie would be extremely difficult with known stars. I picked Donald Glover. Wow. And I think that it's a pretty good choice. And I know that we try to very much just recast the movie at hand and not try to rewrite it. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't not, like, this movie needs to be pulled into a modern day setting. I mean, if it's going to be remade, there are a lot of things about this that have to change. But Donald Glover specifically 
not because I'm just trying to haphazardly switch in different people of different ethnicities or or genders or anything, mm -hmm. but Donald Glover to me is someone who you would want to see perform in a musical. Here's my question about updating this movie because that's a thought I had is that I would there were performers that I was like, man, I don't think they could be the lead of this movie, and then I was like, well, if we just updated the story, but if the story is about that time when movies went from silent to talking, mm -hmm. what is the modern version of that? Um, the theater to internet? I really don't know. Yeah, I... I... It's a movie about digital streaming. <laughs> <laughs> All the movies become like <laughs> HQ trivia apps. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what... Because like, the whole storyline with Lena and how it basically is threatening to end her career, I don't know what technological advancement now mm -hmm. really could do that. Talking pictures. I think you should Every wait. Every studio is jumping on the bandwagon, Dexter. All the theaters are putting in sound equipment. We don't want to be left out of it. Well, we don't know anything about this gadget. What do you have to know? It's a picture. You do what you always did. You just add talking to it. Don, believe me, it will be a sensation. Lamont and Lockwood, they talk. Well, of course we talk. Don't everybody? The modern version of this movie it does not sound good to me. And I think that's why when I started casting, I was like, I'm going to keep this movie in 1927, but just change the way that I'm thinking about who the characters are. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, like it bugs me. And this is something that I'm learning by doing this podcast is that it bugs me how many casts are completely whitewashed. And that ultimately like they're like, this is a specific point in history. And so it kind of just results in that. Like, how do we bring people of color mm -hmm. into a story like this? And that is really frustrating. Just like looking at American history in general. I don't know if this is accurate, but the two people of color in this movie, I remember one is a valet and okay. one is a waiter. Mm. And so I know we're deviating right now from the discussion of my pick, but I think... I think we'll get if, back to it. Honestly, if you were like, they're remaking Singing in the Rain, it's mm -hmm. going to be the exact same story, and Donald Glover is going to play the Gene Kelly role. You were going to watch him sing and dance and act. I would be like, I'm definitely going to watch this movie because it will. It sounds very interesting to me. Now, in terms of Donald Glover as a performer, mm -hmm. I think he's a very good actor. Yes. I think he's um, a pretty good singer, although I yeah. don't know if his range is the same as Gene Kelly's. I don't know if he's a good dancer, uh, but I would like to see. Maybe maybe he is, maybe he isn't. That's I, my that's my hang up with Donald Glover is I think he's a really entertaining performer, but if he can't dance. There's nothing that suggests that he couldn't. <laughs> Although I was watching the music video for or not a music video, but a live performance of Redbird, and he doesn't move from his mark. So I don't know if he can or can't. Again, but there's no evidence to suggest that he I just think he's so talented. If you spent like three months teaching him how to dance, mm -hmm. he would be very good at dancing. There was a point when I thought about the La La Land of it all. And I was like, you know, if you just put a little bit of effort into showing them how to do this sort of like old style of choreography and dance, mm -hmm. I'm sure they could get away with it. Because yeah. let's, let's be real. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone weren't great dancers, but they made it work. Right. I mean, they weren't great singers either, but you know, again. La La Land doesn't exist without this movie. Oh, it, absolutely not. It took so much from this movie mm -hmm. that 
I don't want to rip apart La La Land. I could, but I think we should kind of yeah. move on. So my pick is Donald Glover. Okay. I'm cool with it, <laughs> but I'd like to hear wh- who you pick. Um, I, I feel like I went a little obvious, but... Here's the thing. My the very first note I wrote down when I was watching this movie was Gene Kelly. Damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just felt like I was like you can't have somebody in this role who doesn't look like a movie star, who doesn't like mm-hmm. smile and legitimately like melt your heart. Now that you have the proper setting, can you say it? I'll try. Life was a song You came along I've laid awake The whole night through If I but dared To think you cared This is what I'd say to you You like superman he looks so good he looks and it's it's remarkable how somebody could look that good and be that talented it's insane to me it's it's a really stark reminder that they do not make hollywood stars like that Mm -mm. anymore no um so i picked someone who i know can sing who i know can dance and who i know has a comedic flair that i think they could bring to this so i picked justin timberlake Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking of him, too. But you didn't pick him. I didn't pick him <laughs> because of that last reason you said, is that he's he has a comedic flair to him, mm-hmm. and he's been in many movies, but he's not... <laughs> I'm waiting to hear He's not segment. crested into that leading man yeah. kind of guy. But you're right, like... I definitely spend a lot of time staring at pictures of Justin Timberlake, <laughs> just being like, am I like, am I okay with this person leading this movie? Maybe I have a generational bias on Justin Timberlake because he is my teen pop star who I kind of like, he's only a few years older than me. And I, and I remember his sync days. I remember his justified days. How old do you think I I'm- am? <laughs> I'm assuming you're 22 and I'm 51. But I that's not to insult or or say that you don't remember him either, but I I think because he's like a teen pop star to me, uh-huh. maybe there's younger people than us who are like, "Oh yeah, Justin Timberlake, he's like this really right. suave, sophisticated leading man type that I'm still uh not seeing no i definitely fought with myself on this one because i i don't see him normally as a leading man and i don't think he's reached a point where people when they're casting anything are looking at him and being like we gotta get justin timberlake but should anybody ever decide to remake this movie i think he would be someone that they would definitely go after because there is nobody like we said there's just nobody out there who has the whole package the way that Gene Kelly does, I think he comes really close. Like no, I, I would, I would enjoy watching him sing and dance and perform. So would I. I give, I give your pick an A plus. Oh my gosh, 
gosh, thank you so much. I give your pick like a B minus. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> you started the grading thing. Yeah, and also I'm kind of <laughs> self-deprecating. Maybe I should just sort of stick to my be guns so and be like. Be confident. Okay. You've been watching a lot of Queer Eye. I have. Have you, have you not picked up on the self-confidence? It's the best show thing? on Netflix. It is. It is it's, the best show on Netflix. You will laugh and cry oh, so every much. episode. <laughs> and I need a season two bad. Right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'll go first this round with my Cosmo. And I think this is gonna make this is gonna make my comment about trying to um, diversify the cast within the time, I think make a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. So I picked for my Cosmo Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. I consider him, this is weird, like, I had all of your picks, and then I was just like, I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, he was, he, And if you is he as comedic an actor as Cosmo is as a character, or is it just something I we haven't seen from him? I don't think we've seen it from him, but if, first of all, I feel like Justin Timberlake is probably a little more well-known. Leslie Odom Jr., um, you might have seen him most recently, I don't know, if you went to see Murder on the Orient Express, um, but he originated the role of Aaron Burr on Broadway's, Broadway's Hamilton. Hamilton. So you you may or may not have an awareness of who he is, but he, again, Cosmo is a very physical performer, Um and ultimately, like he's gotta have that like vaudeville pizzazz, mm-hmm. even more so than um, Gene Kelly. Don, the world is so full of a number of things. I'm sure we should all be as happy as. But are we? No. Definitely no. Positively no. Decidedly no. Uh uh-uh. uh. Short people have long faces, and long people have short faces. Big people have little humor, and little people have no humor at all. And in the words of that immortal bard, Samuel J. Snodgrass, as he was about to be led to the guillotine, make them laugh, make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? <laughs> my dad said, be an actor, my son. But be a comical one, they'll be standing in lines for those old honky-tonk monkey shines. Or you could study Shakespeare and be quite elite And you could charm the critics and have nothing to eat Just slip on a banana peel, the world's at your feet Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh It's so interesting to me that I think one of the reasons that I wanted to pick an African-American actor for this Is that they sort of arbitrarily don't let Cosmo go anywhere in this movie yeah, he's really just attached to Don's hip. Yes, and it's 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 odd because he's clearly a performer as well, and they're like, no, you're just going to play the piano. No, you're just going to be the music person. No, you're just going to do this. And I was always like, poor guy. I know, it's really like short stick. Like so, he, it's the only thing separating him and Don is his looks. Exactly, exactly. He's He doesn't look like a movie star. Right. Um. So I, I sort of liked the idea of it, you know, for the time, him being like an African-American jazz musician who is sort of like, you know, because of the color of his skin may not be able to like achieve the stardom mm-hmm. that his partner does, but he's like got his back and he's always the one like, you know, playing the fiddle while he's like doing a little tap dance. Like we we just haven't, we don't get the opportunity to like hear Cosmo's story. That's true. and I And I like that idea that like, he knows he's being held back for mm-hmm. these certain reasons. I picked. Oh my god! I picked Taron Egerton from Sing and the Kingsman. Interesting. First of all, I didn't know he could sing at all. 
So when I was like mm-hmm. IMDb being like, oh, who is in Sing? And I was I didn't realize that he was the lead in that. So yeah. I was YouTubing. He has a pretty good voice. Can he dance? Well, he can fight his ass off. So if yeah. <laughs> it's so he's, literally he's a physical guy. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. I get that uh, association for sure. Um, and I just thought it would be, I, I was thinking of them as a duo. Like you said, that they're kind of like two guys who come up in this world of Hollywood together. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think of them as a pair. And so Taron Edgerton and Donald Glover, I was just like, will they ever, if they ever did a movie together, I think a lot of people would want to see that. I think they're young and, and mm-hmm. exciting. And they could probably tell the story of people who are making a movie that isn't working. I would give Taron Edgerton an A plus just because he's so darn cute. Aw, thanks. <laughs> I just love him. Um, it's my turn. Yes. For Kathy, which I know you felt very connected to while you were watching. You felt very sad about yeah. seeing Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Gosh, I'm just so shocked that you've never seen her do this before. No, and it was really sad because as a big Star Wars fan and just mm-hmm. knowing how Debbie Reynolds' life ended, yeah, she literally died of a heart heartbreak. Yeah. Oh, it was so tough to watch and just sort of like, I'm in the future and I know what happens. Like, <laughs> And like Gene Kelly could have died of like a horrible heroin overdose, and I still wouldn't I think he care. He died in his sleep. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're I still fine. wouldn't care I, because you know it, I think it's still just kind of in my mind. You know, it was it was it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. I, I love how much you you feel for their mm-hmm. family. I'm enjoying it. So for Kathy, I was trying to figure out who could I get that's in the sort of mold of. Debbie Reynolds, who is someone who has maybe not Hollywood lineage, but a musical lineage, someone who's okay. been around the business. Okay. Um, she hasn't really been in a lot of things, but she was in a movie that seems very similar to this. Oh. I picked Lily Collins. And for oh, those of you who don't know, she's the daughter of Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Um, she... Cue the Genesis. <laughs> she She was in a movie called Rules Don't Apply. Which nobody saw. Which no one saw. But because it was, I think there were some weird themes in it. I'm sure there were. But, but. In the, at least in the clips that I saw of her, she filled that kind of same... It's, it's almost the same like she's living in Hollywood around that same time. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought, well, if in my version, it's not going to be so classic 1929... I still think that she would fit flawlessly. Yeah, I really, really like Lily Collins as an actress. I can't say that I can vouch for her. I mean, she has got to have some sort of music. Well, she sings a song in this movie. In and her it's, veins. It's pretty is good. Is it good? Yeah. Because there is something about Debbie Reynolds' voice that, again, it sort of comes off as this, like, how can someone be so, like, beautiful and talented? Like, you hear, especially... When she's doubling for Lena's voice. Which was that actress's actual voice. Did you know that? Wait, what? Yeah, there's some trivia where like when Kathy is dubbing uh-huh. Lena's monologue, that's actually Jean Hagen's voice. Because oh, she actually has a beautiful, rich voice. All set in there? Right. Nothing can keep us apart. Our love will last till the stars turn cold. All right, Kathy, go ahead. Nothing can keep us apart. 
Our love will last till the stars turn cold. And that's why it matches so well. She's she's the best actress in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> For real. And there was also something, when Debbie Reynolds sings a song, like there is a lot of dubbing of other actresses in the mm-hmm. storyline, but also behind the scenes, people are dubbing people that didn't have to be dubbed. It's really, it's kind of meta. Yeah. It's kind of meta for how sound and picture kind of right. aren't really the truth in Hollywood. And that was something that I I had never known because I've never seen this movie, but I thought that yeah, was really I interesting. Had, I've never known that before. But I, I, and we'll talk about this when we get to Lena, but trying to, like how they say that it takes a really good singer to sing poorly. Mm-hmm. Like you hire a professional to do um, a really bad job when you know you're making a movie and you want somebody to sing really terribly. So that's really fascinating that she's actually got this like golden voice. Yeah. No, I like I like that choice a lot just because I think she does have a very she just has a youthful exuberance that you need. I could see her which this whole scene is kind of a problem, but I could see her be like driving her car and Gene Kelly sort of like pops in and she's like Help! <laughs> yeah. Somebody call the police. And then, of course, when the cops like, "That's Don Lockwood," she's like, "Oh well, never mind." Officer, this man is right into my car. Why, it's Don Lockwood. Don Lockwood. How are you, Mr. Lockwood? Out for a joyride? Just a lift, officer. My car broke down. I got surrounded by. Oh, you're a lucky little lady. Anything wrong? Why no? No, I should think not. Well, good night, Mr. Lockwood. Good night, officer. Well. Thanks for saving my life. It's a little bit rapey. Um, my choice for Kathy is, I again, I leaned really heavily into performance quality. So I picked someone who is first and foremost a dancer. I think sort of second, uh, a singer. Mm-hmm. She has sung and done musicals before. Um, so she's also done some acting but ultimately i think she's just she is that sort of beauty that's like there like i can see movie star don lockwood looking at this person and being like whoa Mm -hmm. this is just so much different than i'm on pins and needles here kind (laughs) of and i chose julianne huff who Brian does not know. He's making a face right now. Um, I'm in the you, weeds, guys. the general public, may know Julianne Huff as a dancer. She was on Dancing with the Stars as a professional for a long time. She was also in the remake of Footloose mm-hmm. um, and Grease Live, which was much more recent, um, as Sandy. Huge character, huge part. Um, but yeah, she's like, her and her brother are professional ballroom dancers. Hmm. Um, so they're they're very very good, and then yeah, she's got some chops. She's got a good voice. She I I think she's really cute and fun to watch. So yeah, I picked Julianne Huff. I mean, performance wise, she definitely seems like she has all the credentials. I would say she looks a little more smoldery. Okay, you know what I mean. She's a, she's a little smoldery. I think it maybe just in these photos that Google is pulling up. They're 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 sort of more. Maxim Magazine and less like mm. new face in town. But you are steering towards per- performance and I am not. So what do I know? I, I'm literally. It's your first time. I'm You'll in the learn. cockpit. You'll my learn. hand's on the stick. The wings are falling off. The engine's <laughs> on fire. 
I'm hanging on here for dear life. <laughs> but we're making this but movie. But we're making this movie. Yeah, I think it's great. I think, yeah. I think your whole cast so far is maybe not blowing mine out of the water, but... It's okay to it's say It's definitely that if you more like, that. like yeah. I wouldn't be like your cast. Your life. cast could go on stage live uh-huh. and do this movie. Yeah, they could. My cast would be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna need three months of rehearsal and right. several takes. Right. <laughs> um. Well, great. What was I gonna? Oh, I was gonna say something about. I I I liked how you picked someone who apparently can dance because Debbie Reynolds had no idea how to dance. I wondered that about her during the first number after she pops out of the cake, mm-hmm. um, which yielded my favorite line of the movie when Don's like, now that I know where you live, I'd like to see you home. I thought that was really cute. Um, and I was watching her and I was like, you know, she's really like, she's doing this like 20s style dancing really well. But there was something about it that I was like, like, does she do this? Is this her thing? And I guess not. Well, again... A little bit of trivia, if IMDb is in fact a reliable source for trivia. She, Gene Kelly was known to be kind of a hard taskmaster, taskmaster when he was directing this. And so he was very strict with her. And he was the one who was trying to teach her all the moves and get her, you know, to keep pace with him and Donald O'Connor, who played Cosmo. And I guess Fred Astaire was filming something nearby. And like, sure. was like also helped her. Just like out of the wow. kindness of his heart was just like, yeah, what I can life. help you to dance. So Debbie Reynolds learned dancing from two of the greatest American dancers in that's crazy film history, if not dance history. I don't know much about dance history, but <laughs> <laughs> I did Let's take a dance class it. in college. Like we do. Wait, what dance class did you take? It wasn't an actual dance class. It was like <laughs> this is a world gr- culture and dance. This is a great like single credit filler class for sure. Yeah. All right, Lena Lamont. I'm going to go first with Lena Lamont. Okay. This one I think I'm actually very proud of. Okay, I'm excited to hear it. If not proud, excited. So, <laughs> again, having only seen this movie once, mm-hmm. Lena is definitely this sort of, you know, she is Don's partner. She's there physically. And then as soon as sound is introduced to cinema, they find the biggest flaw in her character which can we just for a second say what masterful filmmaking it is that there's probably like 15, 20 minutes of the movie that happens before you hear her voice. And she is on camera so much. Gosh, it's so spot on how they hide it so consistently until it just sort of like blurts out. Hot diggity kids, it's a smash. Hey, Mr. Simpson. Don, Lena, you were gorgeous. Yeah, Lena, you look pretty good for a girl. For heaven's sake, what's the big idea? Can a girl get a word in edgewise? After all, they're my public, too. Alina, the publicity department, Rod here, thought it would be much better if Don made all the speeches for the team. Why? What's wrong with the way I talk? What's the big idea? Am I dumb or something? No. No, it's just that Don's had so much more experience. Next time, write me out a speech. I could memorize it. Sure, why don't you go out now and recite the Gettysburg Address? Originally, when they were like, oh, we don't let Lena speak... I was like, this movie is sexist. And then when I realized it's a plot You're device, not I was to like, talk. oh, yeah, I think I, I, I think I came into this movie to 2018 and not sort of letting it kind of. Brian was like, you know, why happen. do people like this movie so much? They are terrible to women. <laughs> he hops in her car and tries to assault her, uh, and now they won't let her talk. Okay, I picked Megan Fox. 
Oh, interesting. I picked Megan Fox. You definitely went for like she's she's got to be gorgeous. Yeah, she does. She like you, she has to look like a star. I think because Megan Fox's origins in Hollywood are kind of what got stuck in my head. The story that Michael Bay was just like, he told his casting director, just give me the hottest person you can find. That's so gross. It's really gross. <laughs> and I don't think she's a terrible actress. I like Her stint on New Girl I thought was really great. Oh, yeah. She I can think be she's super really clever funny. and funny, yeah. And I'm sure kids enjoy these new Ninja Turtle movies. I wouldn't know. Kids don't know anything. Um, so that's why I picked her. I, I just sort of thought, like, if you're going to pick someone for mm-hmm. a look, if her, her whole character is someone who's there for a look, that's like her life is that she is sort of pigeonholed as someone who is very attractive on film. But I liked how in the end, like, Lena has to kind of become cruel. So, if she's done such a grand job doubling for my voice, don't you think she ought to go on doing just that? And nothing else. Lena, you're out of your mind. After all, I'm still more important to the studio than she is. Lena, I wouldn't do that to her in a million years. Why, you'd be taking her career away from her. People just don't do things like that. People? I ain't people. I am a shimmering, glowing star in the cinema firmament. Once you explained the methodology, I think it makes a lot of sense. And this character doesn't have to sing or dance. Right. Yeah, it can just be, it can literally just be a beautiful person who has, who has the acting chops. Um, I definitely thought along the same lines as far as I wanted to pick someone who looked like an old movie star. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, if she's got the look and at least a little bit of talent, I think she, any, there are a lot of people that could pull this role off. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I picked someone who I think doesn't get a lot of a lot of credit for what she does. And I think that doing something that allows her to be more of a like Marilyn Monroe type, that sort of like beautiful, like dumb blonde, but clearly very smart uh, in the way she plays it would be Blake Lively. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well. Wrapped it all up. <laughs> and I knew who she was. <laughs> We didn't have to explain it. I knew who she was. Do people know who she is? If you don't know who Blake Lively Blake Lively, Lively is, is married to Ryan Reynolds. Well, that's not her first credit. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, first appeared in the CW's Gossip Girl um, as not the titular character, but the main character. Yeah. She has then been in such movies as... Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Both Sisterhood of the Traveling Sisterhood Pants. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, too. She's done a lot of like half successful ventures. Um, she was when they tried to do the Green Lantern. She was his love interest. She um, was in the town. The town. Ta- oh, she's good in the town. Yeah, Age of Adeline, The Shallows, Green Lantern, Gossip Girl. The town. I just I think that honestly, purely based on her social media, she seems like a really funny open person like i think she would be game for anything yeah and so the idea of putting her in something that allows her to be funny in a serious way yeah i think would be a lot of fun absolutely i want to see i want to see her succeed i'm trying to picture all your your cast together and i and i think it's a lot of blonde people (laughs) uh i don't know i got a lot of brunettes i What are we going to do? I have no rebuttal. Okay, let's round it out with the studio head of this whole venture, Mr. R.F. Simpson. He, 
he is sort of a character who just kind of comes in to either praise or demonish the work that's happening. Yeah, there's that really like fun bit towards the end where um, Lena's singing and they've got this whole scheme to mm-hmm. expose her and, and to let her expose herself. Yeah. And uh, he sort of starts singing along. Yeah. And it's really lovely and beautiful. The thing that surprised me most about his sort of story arc is when Lena blackmails him. Mm-hmm. I actually thought while I was watching this that I was like, oh, there's no way the studio would ever let Kathy have a career because so much money is riding on Lena that why don't they just keep this ruse up? And so when it comes to the point where Lena goes to RF and is like, you can't do this to me. I'm your money maker. Whatever it is. And he genuinely is like, how could you be so cruel, like you're a monster. I was taken aback. I was like, wow, that this is weird just seeing someone do the right thing. Cause he genuine once he like hears and sees Kathy, he's like, Yeah, let's like put this girl in front of a camera. Let's make her a star. Yeah. Wait a minute, Miss Selden. What's this all about, RF? Well, we were gonna use Miss Selden and Zelda's picture, but it would make you and Lena unhappy. Unhappy? I think it's wonderful. Sure, he's been looking for her for weeks. Yeah. Are you speaking for Lena also? Now look, RF, the owner of the Coconut Grove may do what Lena tells him to, but you're the head of this studio. Yes, I'm the head of this studio. She's hired. But don't let Lena know she's on the lot. That's settled. Take care of that, Phillips. But it's true that, like, at that time, things were not um, project or story-driven. Everything was Mm star-driven. Like, it didn't matter what the project was. You just threw your best people sort of at everything in a specific order because you made tons of movies and people only wanted to see their their favorite people in them. So it doesn't make a lot of sense why he wants Kathy to be the next big thing when Don and Lena have made so much money for him. Right. But um, good on him. Good on him. I'm trying to think of like the Hollywood couple now that you would be like, if you found out someone's voice wasn't theirs, that you would just be, you'd freak out. I think if I found out that that like Brad Pitt didn't sound the way he does, and I'm not a Brad, Brad, Brad Pitt fan at all, but I mean I'll put that out there. I don't like Brad Pitt, but um, I think I would be like, wow, we really got duped. I think like if I found out Kate Blanchett's voice was some other woman, I would <laughs> I would be like, all her delivery is so. Why isn't this? If woman- like Tilda Swinton was like. And did this. <laughs> she was just like, oh my God, I tilled the swim. Um, okay, so I'll go first. I picked um, someone that I just considered to be sort of an old song and dance man mm-hmm. because that just seemed right. Also, everything about this guy just seemed right. I picked Richard Gere. Oh, the, yeah. That's that's kind of close to who I picked, but that's I like that pick a lot. He's what happened to Richard Gere? I definitely had to go to his IMDb to be like, is he still working? One, and if not, is he like, did he die? And I just missed it. This should be a new segment on a show. Like, what happened <laughs> to this guy? Like Richard He's been Gere doing it... movies, just like nothing, nothing big. Oh. He's just acting sort of small. Yeah, I love I love the pick. Um, and for all the reasons that you just said, like he he's recognizable. You know that he can kind of get in on the fun. So in that vein, I pick Jeff Daniels. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think he can play that very serious part, but then like when he trudges through the soundstage and rips the sound cord out, 
you know, he could do a little this more of like dangerous. a dumb. dangerous. Yeah, he could I was do. Like, he could pull a lot of like maybe from like his Dumb and Dumber days, like something where maybe he could play it a little more inept. But he yeah, doesn't have to. He's got a lot of range. Why not? Why not put him in a musical comedy? Right. Well, I survived. I made it. I made it you through it. singing in the rain. Is there anything else about this movie that we haven't really discussed that we promised to discuss? I don't think there's anything we promised to discuss. I'll mention that the very first talking picture we see in the movie features a man who is standing very close to the camera, and he scares me. Isn't it the jazz singer? That's what they're watching, right? No, they watch the one that's like, the guy's like, this is a talking picture. Right, 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 right. And his teeth are like... They mention the jazz singer. Yes. Right, by name only. it's so popular. I want to end on this. I want to end singing in the rain on this. That last dance sequence is by far one of the greatest things I have seen on film. And it is remarkable. The whole part, again, I'm not disparaging La La Land, but I'll mention there is a, I think a part where people sort of felt like in La La Land where they got disconnected that becomes this sort of surreal um, dance sequence. And for me, I think that was one of my favorite parts of the movie because I was like, this reminds me of Gotta Dance from Singing in the Rain. Right. And that, this whole thing, it's not just like genius in the sense that all the performers of this time were on their game. It's also just like when you hear Cosmo come up with this idea for what they're going to do with the dancing Cavalier, Mm -hmm. you're like, that's really good. Like just taking it to that sort of odd, surreal place. To to be honest about this movie, initially I thought it was going to be kind of cheeky, kind of, I don't know, corny. Mm -hmm. I never expected it to get this meta. And I think that's why... I really enjoyed it. There's a reason, like I have found lately, especially rewatching movies that other people consider classics Mm -hmm. that I've never seen before, that I think there's this sort of like arbitrary thing we attribute to old movies that we're like, it's a classic. But there are actual legitimate reasons that this movie has like withstood the test of time. Right. It's so good. It's really good. There are a lot of movies that we call classics that I feel like do not fit that bill fit that bill unfortunately but um speaking of classics it's time for our favorite segment and we'll get out of here because this one's this one's running a little long where does barry pepper go for those of you who haven't listened this segment we are attributing barry pepper the classic american actor from such films as saving private ryan and the green mile the green mile the maze runner the scorch Scorch Trials trials and death cure Yes. Into this movie as any role. We just want to throw one of our favorite character actors into every single movie right. we do. Now, Kenna, you and I have not hit on any of our picks today. We're kind of we're kind of far in, in outer space yeah. comparatively how we're picturing this reboot to go. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we pick, that we pick the same guy. I, I think I, we did. Fingers crossed. Okay. I put him as the cop in the rain. Oh, we didn't pick the same Aww. person. I, I I like that guy um, purely because he stands and watches Don walk away for a very long time. Um, Just imagine either Justin Timberlake or Donald Glover, whoever <laughs> would, it would be, doing a singing and dancing number while Barry Pepper watched. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, 
there's there's like a weird category somewhere in the internet that is that exact same thing. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I I like that a lot. I would I because if I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, there's the cop, and then they sort of zoom in on his face, and you're like, is that Barry Pepper? That's the exact reaction that you want to have right. when you see him. I picked someone a little more high profile. I picked the the director. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Because that performance is flawless. Yeah. I wish I had the actor's name up. He was he was very good. He was really, really good. Uh, super, super high strung. Yeah. Um, can we end this episode, can you just say in your best Lena Lamont impression, mm-hmm. and I can't stand him. <clears throat> and I can't stand him. How was that? That was really good. All Thanks right, for great. that. <laughs> I feel like I'm just here to bring joy to, to Kenna. And that's all. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for joining us on this installment of The Boot. It's been wonderful. Please hit that subscribe button. Please hit that rating, that five-star rating. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. And please tell them to do the same. Subscribe and rate. Yeah, don't feel bad about like ripping somebody's phone out of their hand to tap that five-star button. We've, we've done it. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every day. Yeah, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, and really wherever you get your podcasts. Just look us up. Um, what about social media? Um, if you want to find this podcast, the two of us together, we are at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. Lots of fun stuff going over there. Please follow. Um, Brian, where are you? On Twitter and Instagram, I am at Flynn B. I like that we, we have the same tags for everything. I feel like we were mm-hmm. we were made for this. I am on both as well, at Kenna Trent, all one word. Great. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye. Dancing and singing